In Psalm 84, the sons of Korah are longing to be in God's house. Now, the sons of Korah were a group of temple singers. Likely, this psalm was written during the time of the exile following the temple's destruction. Now, as we work our way through Psalm 84, you will see the psalmist lovingly describe the courts and the altars of the former temple. And we'll see that their desire to be a simple doorkeeper in God's house rather than dwell in the tents of wickedness or lawlessness. This longing to be in God's house is ultimately a desire to be in God's presence. And, you know, we must wonder if as modern believers we have that same desire, a longing to be in God's house. Psalm 84. Now we're going to break this psalm into three parts, verses 1 through 4, the aspiring worshiper, verses 5 through 7, the approaching worshiper, and verses 8 through 12, the appealing worshiper. Let's begin as we consider Psalm 84, longing to be in God's house. Let's look at the aspiring worshiper in verses 1 through 4. He begins, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Now notice the psalmist begins addressing the mighty God over all the angels. O Lord of hosts. And he, 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 right from the outset, we see this longing for the temple, this longing for the God who dwells in the temple. His heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Notice in verse 2 the engagement of his entire person, his soul or his self, his heart, his mind, his flesh, his humanity are all engaged, and his prayer is vocal and boisterous. Christians, we too can pray this prayer. Although the temple is no longer, it lies in ruins, it's covered with a Muslim mosque, the Dome of the Rock, uh, and we look forward to that great and glorious day when Jesus rebuilds the temple, but nonetheless, we can still pray this prayer. We can still desire to be in the presence of God. You see, the courts of the Lord, for us, believer, as the book of Hebrew indicates, are the heavenly courts. And should our deepest desire not be to be in that heavenly temple, to be in the courts of the living God? In verse 3, the psalmist meditates upon the birds who found security in the temple, the little sparrows and the swallows nested amongst the altar and raised their young, uh, the altars, the burnt offering, uh, or the brazen altar in front of the temple, the altar of incense, the golden altar in front of the most holy place in the Holy of Holies. And as the psalmist thinks about these altars where the sacrifices are offered, where incense rises to God, he exclaims, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Notice here that this, that this aspiring worshiper acknowledges first that God rules all things, including the host of heaven. Second, this God who rules all is his own King, his ruler, and his personal God. Is it any wonder that he cries out for this living God? You know, is that your exclamation of God? Does God, do you see God as the ruler of all things? Is he your king? Is he your personal God? Now in verse 4, the psalmist blesses those who dwell in God's house. 
The word blessed here, as, it, as we see several times throughout this psalm, is in the plural, which expresses the fullness of blessing. He's fully happy. He's fully rewarded. And the objects of this blessing would be the temple staff, uh, those who found their life in the temple in worship. You know, in, in, in much respect, as we consider Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he beseeches us, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, uh, which is your reasonable service. Now, that word reasonable service in the original language actually translates as temple duty. We have a responsibility to serve God in the temple. Now, in one sense, our body currently is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what are we doing with our body to serve God? And much, in a much fuller sense, we're looking forward to that day when we dwell in the heavenly temple and we engage in worship. Indeed, we will be blessed. Notice the approaching worshiper in verses 5 through 7. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go forth from, they, excuse me, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Again, to be in the temple, to be in God's presence, is to experience, to know God's blessing. And he said, uh, we are on the highways to Zion. You know, you get this sense of a pilgrim making his way, trudging along the path to go to the temple, to go to where God dwells. And he says, listen, just the fact that I'm on the road to Jerusalem, on the road to the temple, I'm blessed. And again, it's in the plural sense. It's that full blessing. Uh, and he says that my strength is not in myself, but in my Lord. You know, my power, my ability to worship doesn't come from me, but from God. You know, one must ask and wonder if they have no desire, if they have no strength, no power to worship, then have they a relationship with God? It's truly in ourselves our heart is desperately wicked. Truly in ourselves we will not naturally desire to worship God. We'll want to worship ourselves or something else. But when we're in a relationship with God, he places within us that desire. These travelers journey to Jerusalem, and as they do, they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. But they find springs there. They find the early rains. Now, early rain comes from the end of October to the beginning of December, and these rains have created pools. Now, that gives us a time frame for the, the writing of this psalm. It was written sometime in the fall. But uh, as they're going through this valley of weeping, they're being refreshed along the way because God has provided them these rains and this, these springs, these pool of water. And, you know, when we think about ourselves, there are many times in this life we must pass through the valley of weeping. We must go through difficult times. But as we do, and so often as we're, we're trying to worship, as we're on our way to worship, don't let that valley of weeping keep you from worship, but rather go through that valley and see that God will refresh you. He'll provide springs. He'll provide the early rains to give you a spiritual refreshment. And so they go from strength to strength. And this is an interesting word. It's used of the mighty men of valor uh, later on in the, uh, in, in the Hebrew scriptures. But the idea is, even though their journey is wearying them, they're exhilarated. They're continually being strengthened. They're going from one strength to the next strength. In other words, God is giving them grace to get to their goal. 
In other words, they're getting great gaining strength as they go along. Instead of getting wearier, yes, physically they may be getting wearier, but God's continually refreshing them and re-strengthening them so that they can appear before God in Zion. You know, we, we can think of Psalm 42 as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Indeed, they were, they were in the valley of weeping. They, 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 they were thirsty, and God provided for the approaching worshiper. And then verse 8 through 12, we have the appealing worshiper. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look upon the face of your anointed, for a day in your court is better than a thousand outside. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Now here, beginning in verse 8, a prayer is being offered once again. And at the same time, this as he's praying, he sees ahead prophetically to the anointed. Your anointed. Who's he looking towards? He's not looking to a man. He's looking to the God-man. He's looking to the Messiah. He's seeing Jesus. God is then addressed in verse 9 as Yahweh, the God of Israel. He invokes that personal, intimate, covenant name of God, the God of heavenly host. The one who hears his prayer, the one who gives ear or pays attention to his prayer, is the God of Jacob. Just as he delivered Jacob, so he will now deliver this people. He now calls upon God, behold our shield. Now, that statement's in a parallel structure with the clause about the Messiah, the king. And so the shield here is a small round defensive armament, and it protects the people of God. Well, if you consider the parallel structure with the king Messiah, we can read it this way. Just as a shield protects us, so the Messiah protects God's people as the shield protects a warrior. And this Messiah is the anointed, the Mashiach. Now, when we think about uh, the anointing or uh, the anointment in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, typically two groups were anointed, uh, priest and king. And uh, they were, uh, there was a, a special ceremony. They were uh, uh, poured oil out upon their head, which separated them from the people, and it endowed them with a divine authority. Well, of course, our Jesus, the Mashiach, or the anointed one, the Messiah, is anointed as both king and priest, and he will protect us. The psalmist then asked God to look upon the face of his anointed one, look at the face of his Messiah, look at the face of his son, and show favor. You know, this prayer for grace for the Messiah ultimately is what brings peace to his people. You know, in Christ, our Messiah, God looks at him, he sees him as our shield, as our protection, and then he sees us. When he sees us, he sees the face of his anointed son, the Messiah. And therefore, he sees us what? As justified. He sees us as righteous, as sanctified. Because he sees us through his son. We're protected from God's wrath. And we become the recipients of God's grace. 
The psalmist reflects next on the joy of being in God's house, verse 10. He delights in who God is and what God gives in verse 11. And just we reflect back again on verse 2. He says, a day is better than a thousand days anywhere else. You know, we talk about, oh, you know, a day here is better than a day working. Have you ever stopped to consider what a day in God's presence is worth? Have you ever stopped to consider the beauty of being in God's house? So often we think of time spent in God's presence as a drudgery. You know, we set aside a time on a weekly basis to corporately gather to worship God. And it's almost a, a, a duty rather than a delight. You know, it's like, okay, well, let's rush through. Let's get it done so that I can go on and do something else. Or, you know, I'm just not going to do it at all because I'm just so busy with so many other things. Is, a, is an hour in the house of God better than a thousand hours somewhere else? Something for you to think about and consider. You know, this psalmist sees time spent in God's presence as a quality of life. This is the life he wants to live. He says, I'll be a doorkeeper. Now, literally, I'd rather stand at the threshold of God's house than in the tents of the lawless. Now, the threshold, that's the very edge of the temple. Listen, there's more security on the edge of the temple than there is amongst the godless. And yet, so often today, God's people are, are more content, more at peace, more pleased to, to dwell with lawless individuals, to dwell with the unregenerate, than to gather with the redeemed. Now notice he goes on and, and refers to God as a sun and a shield. You know, I can't help but think of Revelation 1, chapter 16, when John sees the face of Jesus shining as the sun at full strength. Here, the sun in this psalm suggests the glory of God's person, again, as it does in Revelation. God's also our shield. He's our protector. He gives us uh, life. He gives us grace. He gives us glory. Now, the sequence in verse 11 is very important. Notice, God himself is a sun and a shield. And second, he gives grace and glory. And then third, there is who we are to be, the upright. Because he is a sun and a shield, because he gives grace and glory, we're to walk uprightly. We're to know God, we're to receive his grace, and then we are to obey him. Now that grace and glory were given to us in Jesus. The word was made flesh, and we beheld his glory. Grace and truth come from him. John 1.14 tells us that Jesus tabernacled among us. We beheld the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is our temple. We meet God in the face of the Son, because as he's told Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father, John 14, 9. Again, he's addressed God as the Lord of hosts, and he promises blessing upon those who trust in him. You know, the Hebrew word trust is interesting. It literally means to lie down, to throw your full weight on someone. You know, picture, if you will, this idea of trust that, you know, you're just famished, you're, you're exhausted, you're fatigued, and you just throw yourself on someone and you trust them enough to carry you on to a place where you will be rescued and refreshed. That's what it means to trust, to fully throw yourself, cast yourself on somebody else in full dependence. 
And so the psalmist went to the temple to, to, to engage his whole self, his soul, his heart, his flesh in the worship of God. And I challenge you to do the same. Seek out God's presence. Gather with the people of God as they come into God's presence. Bring your whole being, bring your soul, your heart, your flesh. And as you come to worship, let God refresh you. Let's pray. Father, Lord God of hosts, we come into your presence through your Messiah, your anointed one. And Father, we come before you, Lord, and we give you the glory that you deserve. You are the mighty one. You are the great one. Uh, you are uh, the one who is our shield, our source of grace. You give us glory. And so, Father, we humbly come submitting ourselves to you. We come seeking your presence. And Father, we need your help. We need your refreshment. We are weary. Father, uh, often we are passing through the, the valley of weeping. Sometimes we pass through another valley, the valley of the shadow of death. Whatever valley we find ourselves in, Father God, I pray that we can uh, see you, we can know you. Father, uh, you will refresh us as you sent those, those rains, those springs to refresh your people as they made their way to Jerusalem. Even so now, Lord, refresh those who are going through some difficulty, some valley of life. And Father God, Lord, I pray that we may come to that, to that place, Lord, and see you. Be, know that we are in your presence and that, Father, we can be refreshed. Lord, forgive us for not delighting in your presence, for not seeing how important it is, for not seeing the greatness, the uniqueness, the specialty of being in your house, being amongst the saints who have also gathered to be in your house and to worship you. Father, we we're asked but for so little. Father, you yet give us so much. Father, I pray again that you might forgive us because we don't press, we don't put enough emphasis on desiring to be in your presence. And oh Lord, what does that say of us if we have no desire? Perhaps, Father, we have no desire because... You're not with us because you're not dwelling us in your spirit. Father, help us to examine ourselves and to consider why. Why we have found it so easy to put everything else and so many others ahead of you. So Lord, give us a desire. Give us that longing to come into your presence. To come into the place and to worship you. And so, Father, I ask that you would receive all the glory. I pray, Father, that you would uh, have all the power, that you would get all the praise from your people until you come again and bring us to yourself. And to this we say, amen.